Biblical womanhood identity. I'm just so glad to be here. How many women have never been to a ladies' night before? Good for you guys for being here. And good, yes, good job. It would be so easy to stay home tonight, right? I, I know. And how, what did I tell you? I told one of the services yesterday, don't go to Kohl's tonight with your 30% off coupon. You were supposed to do that at a different time. Did you hear me say that? I did it yesterday and I bought this shirt. Isn't it cute? I was like, oh, I could get that and it matches my nails. I didn't even plan that. But I'm like, see, God just blessed. I didn't go to Kohl's tonight. Well, I couldn't have because I was speaking tonight. But I just want to encourage you. Kohl's has, they do have some really good stuff this year. All right, but that's not what I'm up here to talk about. Biblical womanhood. Let's see. Glad you're here. Okay. If you don't know me, my name's Mary Young. I'm married to Bill, one of the pastors here. And I'm excited to share tonight. When we talked about this, and it seems like I've known it was coming for a long time, this has been a really busy year in my household. And I remember thinking, November, <laughs> clear out in November. And, and suddenly it was November. And I kind of looked at my year. I have been on 22 airplanes this year. Can you believe that? I know when I calculated that, I was really tired. I was like, that's a lot. I slept out of my bed 76 nights. I was like, wow. So I thought, by the time we get to November, I'm going to be kind of coming in like, ooh, but I want to finish strong. So I was like, I'm really glad to be here tonight for a multitude of reasons, and I'm sleeping in my own bed tonight, and I'm not flying anywhere else the rest of the year. So, woohoo! All right, so, yeah, okay. All right, so I'm getting off track. I, and I timed this, so we're not going to go long. So biblical womanhood identity. So this fall we've talked about, we're going to be talking about biblical womanhood this whole year. And so this fall is kind of more your foundational things. And last month, if you didn't hear it, you need to listen to Krista's teaching. All of these are recorded. You can get them off of our website. Because she talked about the nature of God, uh, specifically his sovereignty, wisdom, and love, and how foundational that is. You've got to know that in order to know who you're following, who he really is. It's an excellent teaching. So you need to listen to that. I'm going to be talking about your identity. So between who God is and your identity sets up the fall, and then the rest of the year is going to be kind of the fruit, what that looks like to walk in it, all these other wonderful things about biblical womanhood. So um, it's critical that you guys understand your identity. So I have a handout, not for you to fill out, because I'm not very good with those. You may have seen these. They're on the, there's a table right between the two doors. These are identity verses, because there's a whole bunch I'm going to share tonight, but I don't have verses for all of it, because it'd just be like a whole bunch of verses. Get one of these, we keep them at the Connections booth, um, but they're great because everything I'm referencing in who you are in Christ, that would be, it's a great uh, tool for you to go, what was that verse that goes with that concept? So um, I think that who you believe, who you believe you are affects everything you do. And people spend their lives in the pursuit of their deepest and truest identity, but I don't think we really think about it as much as we should or realize what we're buying into. And I've got a great quote, Elastigirl. She said, your identity is your most valuable possession. Protect it. There's actually a lot of spiritual truths in that movie. If you, I'll give you a, yeah, I'll have to talk to you about that later. But it, <laughs> there are some really good spiritual truths. So I think this is so important that you protect it because I think we act out of it and believe something more than we realize. And there's a lot of surface, I'll call them surface identities, things like our job, our family, Backgrounds, skill sets, season of lives, those are identities, but they're not like the identity. And the deeper identity I want to talk about tonight is our identity in Christ. So 
I was, I kind of like to Google things just to see how way out in the field they are. I mean, some of it's probably fine, but some of it is way out in the field. So I just Googled identity. I'm like, what does the world have to tell you about identity? And I thought this was an interesting quote. It says, who am I? The answer depends in large part on who the world around me says I am. Uh-huh. So who I am depends a lot on who the world says I am. Well, the world says our identity can change. The world says we can lose our identity, and it's often affected by circumstances. I mean, those are just three things that are affected by what the world says about your identity. So I was curious what you would say, how would you explain your identity to someone? You know, have you ever seen like pictures of yourself at a different season in your life and you'll go, was that really what I looked like? Was that really me? You know, because life can change us. I don't just mean physically, but there's just changes that happen in us. Sometimes we see it physically, but suddenly you go, I don't even recognize who I am anymore. Maybe it's through your actions, through the way that you're living. You go, who am I? And that process of change can be dangerous to the relationship we have with our creator. He's the one that gave us our true identity, and it can get damaged just by living in the world that we live in. So almost four years ago, I had given a talk at a lady's uh, Saturday morning social called Restored, and I'm going to refer to parts of it. My goal wasn't to regurgitate that talk by any means, but, you know, truth is truth. And as I look back on it, I was like pulling little nuggets out of it, and I went, well, that hasn't changed. Well, that hasn't changed in the best possible way. I mean, God's truth just does not change. So if it was true four years ago, it's going to be true now. So I'm going to throw in little bits of that, um, but it's not a, a redo. But in that, I likened us all to pieces of furniture. And I said that as we get restored, because we have layers of yuck on us that were taken back to our true identity, who we are when we got saved, and who God transformed us into when we became his daughters, he gave us an identity at that point. But living in the world that we live in, we accumulate these layers of lies, of deceit, they're half lies, half truths, and it can alter who we think we are. We need to be women, biblical women, who understand who we are and live that out. So we need him to restore us, our thinking, and have us walk in that true identity. So that's what I want to touch base on tonight. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll get started. Lord, I want to thank you for tonight. I thank you for every woman that's here, that you have something to say to us. The world we live in is lying to us, and we need to know and understand your truth to walk in it and be the women that you've called us to be. So I pray you'd give us ears to hear, help us to forget the days we've had behind us or the nights we have coming at us, just to isolate our hearts and our minds to hear from you, that we would have something to obey, something to walk in, and something that would draw us closer to you. We commit the night to you, Lord, and ask for that in your son's name. Amen. All right. Okay, so restoring. I found these verses I thought were encouraging. In Lamentations, restore us to yourself, O Lord. Psalm 80, 30, or 83. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Restore us, O God Almighty. I thought, you know, it was interesting. They sound like prayers to me, you know, asking him to do that because he's the only one that can restore us. He's the only one that can give us the help that we need because restoring is a process and we don't have what it takes to give ourselves the identity that he has given us. So to restore means to return to an original state or bring back to a former condition. So in a, like bringing us back, bringing us back to who God's restored, wanted, created us to be. 
And so when you understand your true identity in Christ, it answers a lot of the questions we can struggle with. And then when you don't know, you can waffle back and forth. Because if you're not sure, it's real natural to look to the world, to the wrong places, to go, well, who am I? And there starts the problem because then it gives you wrong information and then that's who you start to think that you are. So getting back to kind of my earlier question, do you know and understand your true identity? Would you say it's clear to you? Or would you go, wow, life has kind of layered things on me and it's not clear. And some of you are sitting here going, I think my identity is just fine. And that's because why the world we live in will tell you you're fine. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever you believe is just fine, no matter what it is. The problem with that is that if you look at who you are and then evaluate it or define it on yourself or the way thinking the way the world does, you're going to see something very different than what the Bible says and what the Lord says. So in the world, you're told you're the creator and the author of your own story. You write it and you live it however you want. The characters in it, the plot line, what happens, that all moves according to your plan, and that's the way it's supposed to be. In the Lord's economy, he's the author of your life, and he's the creator of all of it. So those are two really different stories because they have two very different authors. And who you believe is the creator of your story changes everything. And then we talked a little bit about this um, in the, at the kickoff in September, but a biblical woman, oh, you live under your own authority or you live under the Lord's. These were two points I made in September. And a biblical woman lives under the Lord's authority. She's dependent on him and not herself. So there's two areas I wanted to look at tonight where I believe we can tend to find our identities instead of in Jesus Christ. And if we don't see where we're finding it, we won't know how to steer clear of it and get back to what true identity is. There's obviously more areas than this, but this is just the two that I'm picking to talk about tonight. One is we can find our identity in our physical appearance and who we think we are. So based on things like our abilities, our talents, our jobs, or other people. So looking at the physical appearance, question you could ask yourself, how often or how easily do you find your identity, your worth, based in or on how you feel about yourself physically? So working out, eating right, does that make you feel accepted? Does it complete you? Is that the only thing that encourages you? Your identity is secure, why? Because you feel good about yourself in the mirror. Moving down a size in your jeans and having a good hair day brings a certain amount of peace and acceptance to who you feel like you are. You know, I've lived in that identity struggle for many years of my life, ups and downs of weight gain. I'd like to say it was all due to, like, babies. It wasn't. I mean, it's just really easy to gain weight for a lot of reasons. But I have for sure viewed my worth based on how I felt the number of the scale was or what the size of my clothes were. So if I lost weight, then I felt really good about myself. I felt okay. If I had to get bigger jeans, then I felt like I was a failure. It was totally based on an external thing. My worth, my identity came from the mirror. What did I think the mirror said about Mary Young? Then that's who I was. And it's a hard area because most of us don't like parts, at least a part of us, the way that we were made, and we compare ourselves to others. And at least in my experience, I would always come up short. When I made the comparison, I was never left going, all right, Mary, 
It was like, oh man, I really need to work on that if I'm going to look like so-and-so. I didn't always realize that internal monologue was going on, but it was. And the inner beauty sometimes, if we're really honest and admit it, doesn't count for that much. It's always good when your mom will say, honey, you're beautiful on the inside. You think, yeah, but I would like a little, <laughs> I'd like a little bit of that beauty on the outside, you know? Because we kind of want, even if we don't want to admit it, a little bit of the beauty that the world considers beautiful. Our world focuses on and celebrates our outward appearance. They say they don't, but they do. And we're affected by that. And one problem with finding your identity in that physical world is that it can be gone instantly. And we all know that. It can change in a minute. And then what happens? What, what are you left with? Where is your identity when all that you thought you'd achieved is just gone? And then coupled with that, who we think we are. We can find our identity in circumstances, in abilities, in accomplishments, in other people, in education. So a question you might ask yourself is, does having a particular job or education make you feel complete? Does having a title or maybe some initials behind your name give you a sense of worth? Do the amount of years you've been in school or the latest promotion do it for you? How about the size or location of your home? How about the behavior of your children? Is your identity found in that? That's an easy one to fall into. I mean. <clears throat> But there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with accomplishments and educations, a big house or promotions. But again, what if you lost those things? What if you suddenly didn't have a job? What if you didn't have a degree? What if you didn't have any nice possessions? How would you feel about yourself? Where would your worth come from? Where would your identity be without that? So a little bit on my road, I'm going to swing back and forth, but um, on my road of getting saved, and some of you have heard some of this because it's part of who I am in my testimony. It leaks into things that I've shared. But um, I ultimately look for my identity in other people. You don't always realize you're doing that, but you are. At least I did. It became really clear to me I wanted somebody to like me. I always wanted a boyfriend all the way through high school. No boyfriend. I, I just thought that would have to be where my identity could be found because that's what the world tells you. You get a boyfriend and it completes you. Then you, you've kind of arrived. So I wanted someone to like me. I wanted someone to just think I was amazing. Besides my mom, I have a very loyal mom. It's like, honey, someday you're, you're going to get your boyfriend. I didn't. I never had a boyfriend. I wanted someone to validate me apart from everything that I thought was lacking in my life, that they would just think I was amazing. I wanted someone to choose me for who I was, good, bad, and ugly. Because <clears throat> I didn't always like what I looked like on the outside, so this person was going to somehow see inside Mary and love me. And that would give me the identity I felt would complete me, and then I'd be okay. Once I got that, then I'd be okay. So it was during that self-search, <clears throat> excuse me, at 21, that's when I got saved. And it had been simmering for so long, I didn't really see it coming. But right up to the point that I asked Jesus in my heart, I had honestly been compromising Mary in order to find that inner peace. Because I'd been looking, what does the world say? College is a horrible place to can be a horrible place to be looking for that because you get an answer for everything. So I was trying everything, I was doing everything, and I was honestly a hot mess because my identity was changing all the time. I had nothing to, to ground it on. It's very circumstantial, based on people and situations. And I'd been trying so hard to fit that definition of what was going to bring me an identity that I'd lost myself in it. So at the point when my brother and sister shared the gospel with me, I got saved. 
hooked, line, and sinker. I was like, this is it. This is what I have been looking for. And it was at that point that my value system began to change. How I viewed myself, how I found my identity, it changed because I had an understanding and I was beginning to grow in an understanding of who I was in Christ not who I was in the world. And so as I shared again some of this in September, I embraced completely who Jesus said I was. Why wouldn't I? He saved me from hell. I realized he had saved me from hell. My allegiance was to him. It wasn't to anybody else. Whatever he said about me, I was going to believe. I owed him that. <clears throat> I wanted to give him that. So I began to grow in my understanding that I was completely loved by him, not for what others saw, not for the size of my genes, not for what I could offer, not for what I could do, but because I was his daughter, because I was his child. Simply because I was his, I had worth, I had identity, I had significance, and it was a love I had never known before. I realized I stood blameless before him. I was forgiven for every sin I'd ever committed or would commit. He had died for me, and I knew that. I had accepted it, and he wanted me to become a certain kind of a woman, and he was going to help me do that. I realized he had plans for my life, and his spirit was going to enable me to live and think and act differently, thank God, differently than the way I'd been living. I didn't want the way I'd been living because it was, it was awful to be looking for yourself identity in what the world has. I had never been loved the way Jesus was loving me, and it was changing me literally from the inside out. And I finally had this relationship that I'd always dreamed of, only it was better. And it wasn't connected with a boyfriend. It wasn't connected with another person. And that was really something that changed me because I thought I didn't know if God had marriage for me. I didn't know what God had for me. But it didn't matter because I had Christ. And I thought, no matter what else, this is all that I need the whole rest of my life. So my life, I would say, changed course that day, and nothing's been the same because my identity became permanent when I became his daughter. And I believed I was who he said I was. he was. I believed who I was, who he said I was. Uh, he was my creator. There's a line from a song Danny Gokey sings. Um, I've heard it. I don't even, I think the name of it's Rise. It says, but something inside you can't deny you hear the call of your creator. And I, I love that line because I thought that was it. I'd heard the call of my creator. I'd heard the one who made me and gave me the identity of his daughter and what that was going to mean. So <clears throat> there's a little bit of a side note, no easy way to segue into this, I was going to say, on a side note of hearing from our Creator, that the Bible has um, great truths about how we are like animals. <clears throat> Bear with me, I'm going somewhere on this. Yeah. That in this um, verse, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So as a child, you can't escape the relationship that he's your creator. But I discovered this interesting thing, and I thought, how like our creative God to put that understanding, that relationship in some of his animals, that they too can understand the call of their creator. So I, I did a little research on this because I'd heard this before, that if you put calves and cows and cattle all in cows and their their um, calves in a big area mix them all up so they're all nobody knows where the other one is here's what it says the calf can call out and the cow will respond knowing the distinct sound it makes 
If the calf gets confused among the herd and goes the wrong one, the cow will sniff the calf, and if it's not hers, it will push it away with its head, and the calf will call once more, and again the cow will respond. Eventually the calf will find its mother and recognize her smell, as will the cow of the calf. A calf is able to recognize its mother by the unique scent and sound of her call. And I, I was so maybe I'm simple. I was so dumbstruck by that. I thought animals, they, they're not humans. They have no soul the way we do, but they can sniff and call each other out because God put that in them. They know their mother. Their mother knows them. And that was just a snippet to me of how much more God knows us. He calls us by name, and we have that relationship because he created us, and he gave us something in that identity that's unlike any other relationship we could have. And I think it's easy. We can lose, still lose sight of it. I'm not saying just because you know this that it's not hard to walk in it. I mean, I need this reminding too, and it's critical then that we know truth. So if you don't know the truth, then you're more susceptible to lies in the world because those lies sound really believable sometimes because there's just a little bit of truth in them but not enough that they're truth they're still lies so a couple practicals i'd like to share of knowing truth you need to sit at his feet and read his word these are ways to help equip you with what's true i like this quote it said the bible is not an option it's a necessity you cannot grow spiritually strong without it that's really important that you're spending time in his word to better understand who you are in him because knowing and applying truth helps you recognize the lies. And the world, one of the biggest lies is that you don't need Jesus in your life to be who you were born to be. You just need yourself. I mean, we've all heard that. You were born enough. And there's layers of truth in that. I mean, I, it makes enough sense. You go, oh, I get it. I, I'm enough. I need to, you know, work hard and do it. But the truth is you're only enough in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you, your weak self, with the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're enough. But that's where you have to realize your goal is to be powerless unless you're in Christ. And that's what the world leaves God out of it. They just tell you you can find yourself, you can do all these things on your own, and the lie is that you don't need God involved in the equation at all. So you need to be very sure that in all of this, Satan's going to lie to you in what you hear from the world. This is a good verse. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So be aware of that in all that you're hearing and all that you pursue truth, to be aware that Satan wants you to believe things that are not true. So what do you know is true? What can you go, okay, as a child of God, as his daughter, as a born-again believer, Jesus loves you. Has it made a difference in your life? This is a great verse in Proverbs. As a man thinks within himself, so is he. So what does that knowledge do for you? What does that truth do for you? He created you. He died for you. He has good plans for you. And in him, you are who he meant you to be. And as you live your life, there's things you might want to be different. You know, we can all understand those wants. You, you might want a boyfriend. You might want a bigger house. There's like, again, there's nothing wrong with those wants. But to want those things in order to have that be your identity, that's where there's a line that you cross. And then again, you can lose that if your security isn't based on completely understanding your identity in Christ. Does that make sense? Because you want, you, it's the world we live in, but it's not the world we live in, right? So he wants your identity to be grounded in him. <clears throat> you have to remember, he doesn't really care what you look like. He doesn't care about your hair, your skin, your nails, or your body shape. He looks at your heart and your soul. 
You know, your body's not going to matter in heaven. That's a really good thing to remember. No matter how good you have it looking right now, it's just a vessel. It's just a tool for him to use while you're here. So look past your body and look at the life that you're living here. How are you spending it? Is it on things that don't matter? Is it being invested in his people? Because being a, a born-again Christian, by having a relationship with him, by being his daughter, he set your life on a new course. And he wants to use this life, this broken body of yours, with all your weaknesses, with all your insecurities. Remember, we've all got them. He wants to use them for his purposes. And you, who you are in your flesh, you no longer live. I love this verse in Galatians. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what we need to remember. The life we live in Christ is the one that matters. It needs to be invested in the lives of others. And that's part of this whole biblical womanhood we're talking about. Once you know who the Lord is, once you know your identity in him, then you need to go do something with it. He wants you to do something with it. It needs to be invested. And of course, you know, I'm going to quote Elizabeth Elliot. I always quote Elizabeth Elliot. She says, my whole life is an offering back to him of all that I am and all that he wants me to be. We were made to reflect the image of God. So your life is an offering. There we go. What are you doing with your life as an offering back to him? Here's some things to encourage you with. Spend time getting to know him. Like I said, you've got to know truth to combat the lies. You need to cultivate your relationship with him. You need to spend time with him. If you're married, you need to be faithful with your children and your husband. If you're not married, you need to invest your life in other women, those who don't know him yet and those who are just beginning their walk. These are just some ideas. This is not a comprehensive list. You need to join a small group, or you need to start a small group. You need to have fellowship. You need to disciple someone. You need to be faithful with your time and your resources. You need to be a good friend, a good student, a good coworker, and you need to use your body, your life, exactly how he has made you to be for his purposes and his plans. So, in conclusion, if you know Christ, you have an identity that cannot change. It's founded in him. And you need to believe that. It's not founded on what the world will tell you. A biblical woman has heard the call of her creator and lives a life that says she is his daughter. And that's you, and that's me, and that's us. That's the life he's called us to live. So I want to encourage us to offer our lives back to him to bring him the glory that he deserves and to make a difference for eternity. So, there you go. Amen. So.